0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 3 of Grabs. I'm joined by Nate Karn from DeLand, and we're going to talk about a grab they had in July of this year. But first, Nate, thanks for coming on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your department, so people kind of got a background before we jump into the story.
1: Hey, Grant. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really uh, appreciate what you guys are doing with this. It's, uh, a lot of good information Uh, My name is Nate Karn. I work for the city of DeLand. It is a small city, a little Main Street USA type town. It's about, I'd say, halfway between Orlando and Daytona Beach. Uh, We have about uh, three stations, 42 online personnel, non-transport. We run out of our main station a ladder or quint, which pretty much acts as an engine. Uh, a squad company it's a specialized truck within our town Uh, usually runs with three to four men uh, battalion and our two outlying stations uh, are just straight engines a little about our department is we're one of the older departments Uh, I think 1883 is when we uh, originated Uh, real traditional a lot of pride in keeping that tradition alive within our department so that's one of the good things about it we've uh started moving on toward a we got a lot of newer guys young eager guys uh wanting to get into the fire service and whatever we can do to keep them motivated and staying busy and you know it's stuff like this that really uh helps them out uh usually when we get a structured fire response uh we all train the same within our department but being small we run a lot of mutual aid uh we usually try to add one of our trucks with every truck. If one truck goes, we're sending another truck with it. That way there's some familiarity between uh, crews working together. We know how each other works. Our ethics are all the same. Uh, Usually with our other departments, you see a lot of names on the computer and you don't know who it is. You don't know what their skill level is, experience, what their philosophies are when it comes to fighting fire or searching, anything like that. And, I think one of the big things now we're running into is a lot of people are the two, two in, two out type thing. And, uh, they abide by that and don't want to be aggressive with making sure these houses are clear, but, uh, Hey, safety first, I guess. But, but that's about it.
0: Cool. So how about we jump into, uh, the story? It was, uh, June of this year, correct? Yes, sir. June. All right. So tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's, uh, you know, unexpected. You never expect to get a structure fire right at shift change like we did, but uh, our shift is at 7. I believe the call came in around 7.20, and guys are still drinking coffee, trying to get passed out on the truck. So, we scramble, we get on the trucks. Uh, it's in my station's first do and my station has battalion, squad, and a ladder, and the ladder uh, technically runs like an engine. So, Right there, we have seven guys going to this fire first due. We know it's a mobile home park just by the address. And our mindset's thinking right now that for a structured fire, we're going for exposure protection rather than, you know, making entry, looking for victims, anything like that. These things are set up like tin cans. And, you know, that's, that's all we're thinking of. But uh, we respond. We arrive on scene within a few minutes. I believe it was about three minutes battalion pulls down the street and it's it's really limited access for larger vehicles like the squad or the ladder or anything like that uh, battalion pulls past the house uh, get to the home very light smoke showing nothing that indicates any products really burning in there anything like that uh, squad's right behind him we're right behind the squad uh, usually our second due will uh, act as search. So on the ladder, we were second due. Uh, my partner and I were going to act as the search team. Squad, uh, lieutenant, firefighter pulled a line uh, to the mobile home. On the B side of the structure is where we had two entry points. There's one in the back of the mobile home and one in the front. Due to access being kind of limited, the uh, firefighter pulls a line right to the back door, uh, charges it, they're able to open the door and immediately they're met with heavy smoke pouring right out of the door, uh, moderate heat, and just a lot of clutter. I'm, I mean, that's kind of an understatement when we say a lot of clutter. It was a, it didn't look like the door had been open in, I'd say, years, all the stuff that fell out. You know, you didn't know what you were really getting into. You couldn't even poke your head in to see what you had. Uh, heavy smoke, zero visibility conditions. At that point, my partner and I are walking up. He goes to that front door of the mobile home. And again, there's seven of us on scene right now, and including the battalion. So get seven guys in the mobile home is gonna be a a little bit of a mess. So we go up there, we open that front door, again, met with moderate heat, heavy smoke, zero visibility conditions. Uh, At that point, I. Wait outside the probationary firefighter from the squad, he comes up him and my partner from the ladder they're going to go in and do a search. They go in, they go to the left, and what we had found was just extreme hoarder conditions in a maybe five six hundred square foot mobile home to the point where you were almost being guided by a path that the occupant had made himself over overtime, boxes, newspapers, um, anything like that. So they went in about 15 feet, kind of toward that back door where uh, we determined was a bedroom. So we started making our way back there. He calls victim found. He finds a a large male uh, face down and just, again, that very limited uh, area to maneuver him. So him and the other guy, they're able to radio victim found and remove him by grabbing his wrists and dragging him right to that front door. By that time, I'm outside. Uh, our other crews are pulling up on Engine 83, and I believe our mutual aid trucks are on scene, but they're in a staging mode right now. So at that time, they pull him and... You didn't think you had a victim. No one had seen the guy for months. There was no car in the driveway, no nothing. You didn't know what you had. They pull him right to the door. All of us are sitting outside. So we're able to pull him out. And immediately the driver from the squad brings over an EMS bag. And the guy's probably second to third degree burns over 60, 70% of his body. I believe that was the determination after the hospital. Uh, pull him out. We immediately render care. He was semi-responsive, not really. Uh, immediately start bagging him. I think we got a op airway into him, op or np. I'm not too sure. Um, get a good airway on him. At that time, you know, we're bagging him for I'd say one to two minutes. Our med unit walks up. We're able to transition him onto a backboard, onto a stretcher. At that time, he got transported. So we. Um, go back in, we do a secondary search and verify that there's nobody else in there. And it starts to smoke starts dissipating at this time and just see the actual conditions of the mobile home was it I mean, it was absolutely terrible. I can't believe someone actually lived in that type of environment, but I think we've all seen those houses. Um but that was it. We determined there was no one else in there. Uh, we removed the victim. Uh, it actually went very fast. I believe the whole on-scene time to... Uh,
0: dispatch was at 722 a.m., in route was 723 a.m., arrival of the first due was 726, and victim was removed at 730. So these things unfold so dang fast. Um, it's not like some of the search scenarios we seem to do that seem to go on for about 15 minutes, and we high-five each other when we come out. The uh, couple awesome talking points uh, I wanted to bring up. You said the victim was face down. Was he um, head first or feet first to the rescuers coming in?
1: So that back door, that was the first one we opened. Uh, we ended up going through that front door. He was oriented with his head toward that front door. So that was the orientation that we were going to drag him out uh, head first.
0: Right. So, you know, we see this a lot in, in the, more in the medical side, you know, we see the big dude that rolls out of bed, cardiac arrest in a trailer and there's like two feet between the wall and the bed and he's presenting head first. So that's the way you got to drag him out. And you you know, mentioned that it. it doesn't really matter if you like the feet first drag, if you can't get to it, uh, if you can't flip him around, you need to have a plan for the head first and the feet first with the burns. That he sustained a lot of times victims are slippery uh was there any problem with the grip on on the victim doing the arm drag yeah you
1: know, kind of like you said before with uh we're trying to have a preference of dragging him out there wasn't even a, enough room for two guys to get beside him and even under the armpits or anything like that but um for the arm drag we teach a like a wrist lock like grabbing the victim's wrist and being able to drag him out and that way you're a little more locked in and I don't believe he had too much of a problem even though I'd say the guy was estimated to be about close to 400 pounds he didn't seem to have a problem and a lot of his burns were actually on the, the tor- upper torso arm area.
0: Outstanding uh, you mentioned the hoarding hoarding conditions one thing that comes to mind is you know, we try to take victims out, obviously the fastest, but in a way that's not going to make it worse. We find somebody in a closed bedroom uh in tenable space. We don't want to drag them through hot, smoky, nasty stuff that we just came through. This was small, so you just kind of dragged them out via the path that there was. But I'm curious, as you looked back through, were the hoarding conditions such that it window lifts or anything like that, if that would have been a better move, would not have been done?
1: I, I think I, it definitely would not have been able to be done in this scenario. The mobile home, I think where the victim was found, we had one window and it was a, a small window that was up high. I don't think anyone was getting through there. You know, just because we could have had a window right there and that was our nearest means of egress, it doesn't mean it's always going to be the best. And I think for that point, you crawl 10 more feet back to the doorway and that was going to be the best removal uh, area for that victim.
0: Absolutely. And sometimes when we start doing drag gauntlets and drag training, we have a mindset that we're dragging a victim from the back of Best Buy to the front of Best Buy. When in actuality, we're probably okay. only talking about a five or a 10-foot drag. You know, the number of victims that are found within 10 feet of proximity to a door is, is pretty huge.
1: You get to that point where, you know, I think when we train and it's been instilled in us is, hey, look for the nearest exit, look for the nearest exit, or go to you know the way you came in but sometimes you know looks sometimes that way you come in is the fastest route out even though it's further you know so i think people get that in their mindset that nearest exit has got to be that window but if you drag in 10 more feet out a doorway it's going to be a lot easier than trying to do a a lift out a window
0: yeah and of course conditions dependent within the building too uh, absolutely it's gonna is gonna weigh quite a bit the, the last point i wanted to bring up is is you had so many crews, you had so many teams working right off the bat. Uh, attack team went to the back, and I'm assuming that that, that just kind of got jammed up pretty quick. So that the if the search team was trying to search behind attack, that would have never happened because you can't make your way around them. Uh, plus,
1: yeah, yeah, for you know what we had, and you know usually. I'm, I'm 99% of the time, you know, go to the front door. At this case, it was just the way our access was within this mobile home park. And when we pull our uh, cross lays out, you know, you're all the way at the end. It's not even flaked out and you're already back to that back door. And that was just going to be the easiest route to kind of start that fire attack at the time. And it, it took a couple seconds to open, let it breathe a little bit and kind of figure out what we have. Is it going to be a fire attack initially and start doing this stuff? But, you know, it, it was a, a quick decision, a quick read to, hey, it's hoarding conditions. Let's try that other door. And that ended up being uh, a quick decision making by the crews involved. And, you know, it, it worked out for the best.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I can't remember who said it, but somebody just recently went up to FDTN and did the class where they do like 75 fires in four days. And the one talking point I remember out of that was if the search team or officer gets in ahead of the attack team, the fire goes 100 times better every time because it's not the slow hose team trying to find the seat of the fire they're not jamming up the search getting done Uh, and that seems like that was really the case here well cool dude i appreciate you coming on sharing the story if there's uh if guys got questions for you they want to get a hold of you maybe to get some pictures or audio or or more information about this fire or just i know you get out and you teach a lot how can they get a hold of you best
1: you can get me on facebook uh you know just look up nate karn you'll see probably the most handsome guy on facebook that's how you know it to me um or true story true story <laughs> look us up but uh uh i teach a lot with the guys from uh, east coast fire tactics down here uh, i do a lot through them so you can get a hold of me or any one of those guys through that and i've shared this story with them so we use it as a teaching point or uh if you take any of the conferences uh i do the RIT stuff there so if you ever see me out there feel free to take my brain about anything so
0: cool i appreciate it and for all those listening this is a new project we're doing. This is episode three. We just want to get, we want to bring firefighter rescuesurvey.com to life. If you get a grab dead or alive, get on there you know, answer all the questions, because, you know, NIFR's information sucks, and this is information for us, by us to to better hone in our training. If you want to get a hold of either me, Grant Schwaby or Justin McWilliams to share your story, and we're not looking for stories of success. We're also looking for stories of failure. We know it takes a humble person to come on and say, I got on, I got on scene and we kind of screwed this up. We could have done this better. We definitely want uh, the more the better. So that's, that's definitely our goal. So we appreciate you listening,